recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, the limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, Rolex wearing, son of a gun. The one, the only nature boy. I just rolled in from an old nighter in Vegas to clear up a little rumor that's been going around. A rumor of which the nature boy has been the cause. Over the past six months, there's been talk about where the hottest free agent in the business will hang his 16 championship titles, his custom-made $600 lizard shoes, his many Rolexes, and his many notches on his belt. I am here to announce that I have agreed to join the National Podcast Network. Woo! That is a great day for said network as they finally open up the bank to bring in the hottest free agent in this business. Forget these other signings like Bob Roski to South Florida or the Breadman to Manhattan. They are merely splash moves compared to the Nature Boy coming to NPN. Daniel Esch personally said to me on my private jet, Nature Boy, we need a star. We need draw. We need the biggest star that is this business I've ever seen to join us on our network. He knows that I'm worth more than a bag of pucks. He knows the signing will be more than some five-hole fantasy. And he knows that I will bring the hard-hitting action that requires a five-minute major. I personally put it in my contract that I got to choose where I made my debut for NPN. And my debut will be here tonight, live from the Madame Athletic Center at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, Canada. This is Monday Night Sensecast. Woo! How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Monday Night Sensecast edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jesse. Tim, how's it going, sir? You know what? There's nothing I love more than having hockey back and a Monday Night Sensecast. Absolutely, man. And you know what? We have a really great episode because not only... Are we going to have top of the hour, which is going to be fantastic? We actually got some good sends news to be talking about. 
I know. Finally, after you know two seasons of talking about nothing but Suns BS, but you know we have a do great. We have a great episode coming up. We have, of course, two games we got to talk about. We got top of the hour, but unfortunately, we do got to start off this episode on a bit of a sad note. And we are doing today's episode with heavy hearts. An old friend of ours, uh, Quinn Lordson, just found out last week that he passed away. And again, twenty-seven years old. Like I still cannot believe that somebody that young is already gone. Yeah, and it's sad. was a very good friend of ours uh, during high school, and I'm sad that it was hard to keep up after I pretty much left BC, and it's with heavy heart to know that he's gone, and uh, I hope that the Lordson family will find peace. So so we just wanted to dedicate this episode to Quinn and the whole Lordson family. We're all, we're all thinking about you. And it's really sad because, and I'll be the first to admit, like, I wasn't super good friends with him throughout high school. I was friends with him. But I wasn't like super tight with him, and I, w- I would still occasionally see him every now and then. And it had, it's been a few years since I last saw him. But you know, he was always a really great guy to me. He was always upbeat, and it's just it's hard to believe that twenty twenty seven. Like he's not here anymore. Yeah. So Tim, let's go on to the episode because, again, this is not only the Monday Night Sense Guys edition of the Third Light Block Sense Guys. This is Season 3, Episode 1 in Chronological Order, Episode Holy 55, shit. the Sergei Gonchar edition. Now, I know for myself, being a hockey fan, I always associate Sergei Gonchar as a member of the Washington Capitals and when he won the Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009, but he did play a couple of seasons for the Ottawa Senators, and I feel the best way to go about this is talk about a little bit about our memories of Sergei Gonchar as an Ottawa Senator. Yeah, and I think the big thing is... is- by the time we got to Sergei Gonchar, he didn't have much left in the tank, and I know this is cheating talking about a memory from Pittsburgh, but his final goal as against as a Pittsburgh Penguin, he was uh, heavily criticized for being just pylon, and that continued into his foray as an Ottawa Senator. However, one thing that I do fondly remember Gonchar for is that you could see, even just on the ice during like, warm-up stuff, that he was mentoring Eric Carlson. Yeah, and that was the great thing about Sergey as an Ottawa Senator. It wasn't just him. It was also, uh, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm totally blanking on the gentleman's name. Philip Kuba. Because Philip yeah. Kuba was the same way with Eric in his early years as an Ottawa Senator. But, yeah, Sergey Gonchar, you know, uh, fantastic player. Not in the Hockey Hall of Fame as far as I know at the moment. He's not. Should be. Because you look at his stat numbers and... He had a great career. He won a Norse Trophy. He won a Stanley Cup. He definitely deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now that we talked about him, I think we should talk about next week's cover athlete. Because next week, it is Season 3, Episode 2, in chronological order. Episode 56. Now, we got three people on the board for that. We've got Peter Stajlivy, who surprisingly, if you remember, Ian Mendez name-dropped him on the podcast when we had him on. Magnus PRV. And there's a third person on this list, Tim. He doesn't play on the ice. He was never a coach, but he does contribute a lot to Sen's social media. Craig? Nope. The third person is Brian Five or Six. Oh, you wily bastard! I threw him in as the third option, <coughs> and at the moment, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Brian is currently leading right now. Amazing. So amazing. <laughs> So Tim, we gotta we also gotta talk a little bit about our week because you were in Ottawa this past week. So I gotta ask the all important question. Tim, did you go to Burgers and Fries Forever? Of course. And, and it was delicious. Now did you go to the one on was it Bank Street? Uh you- yeah, it's just a pain in the butt to go down Center Street just because most of the stuff I was doing was either at Tunney's or at the CMHC office and the transit to both those locations go, runs through downtown, so I just went through the market. But yeah, Ottawa is always a good time. Now, given that you were in Ottawa this past week, and we did talk about Burgers and Friends River, I do I got to ask because a lot of people on Sense Social Media has talked about the brand new C train in Ottawa. Now, did you get a chance to check that out during your travels? Yeah. So a bunch of the stuff I was doing this week was near Tunney's Pasture, so I just I bought it a week pass and took that while I was in Ottawa, it's light rail. It actually has been, for a new system, it's actually been running pretty well. Uh, I had no issues while riding it. 
I think people are just getting used to riding trains as opposed to having a city with a train as the center of its uh, transportation system as opposed to a city that centers around buses. And that's just, it's going to be different. Because instead of taking buses from one point in a suburb across the city to the other, or you're going to take a bus to a train station and ride the train in. And that's quite a different thing. Now, this brand new C train, now, is this... Only isolated O-train. to oh the O train now the O train yeah. is this only isolated to downtown or do they go out to the suburbs as well? So it runs from Tunney's Pasture in the west, which is uh, the Statscan campus, all the way out into the west to Blair. So it goes to the edge of the suburbs on either side, and it runs right underneath Slater Street, so about a block from Parliament. And then there's a station that it's not quite built into Rideau Mall, but it's underneath right Rideau Mall. Okay, because from what I understand, this new O-Train goes right by where the proposed arena for the Ottawa Senators would be in yes. Lansdowne. There is a stop there. Or not Lansdowne. Um... Uh, shit, Le Breton Flats. Le Breton yeah, Flats, thank you. Baby stations there. Yeah, from so, what I understand, I think they, they're still holding on to that piece of land for the still the possibility that the a new arena could be built there, Tim. It's just a perfect spot for it. Also, an important note about the O-Train, last stop Blair, across the street from Big Rig. Oh, and you know what? It's it's funny that you brought up Big Rig because the founder of Big Rig, we're going to be talking about him later in the episode. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. So I got to talk a little bit about my week, Tim, because honestly, it's been a really tough week, not just because of the passing of Quinn, but also because... It's been very busy at work, and the week previous, I was actually suffering from a stomach flu, so my energy level wasn't really there. But this past week, uh, we had a coworker of ours who has been sick, so he hadn't worked a couple of days, so I've been doing double shifts and working overtime, and it's been busy. And, you know, I found time to watch the games and to write up the segment that we're going to be segueing here in a second. But overall, I... It's been a good, it's been all right week, I guess. You know, this is always the best part of my week, though, is getting a chance to sit down and talk on the Third Life Plug Sensecast. Oh, you better believe it, bud. But you know so. what, Tim? I have to say though, even though talking about the Senators on the Third Life Plug Sensecast is probably the best part of my week, I actually kind of lied because the best part of my week is segueing into this little segment I like to call <laughs> Top of the Hour. I'm not nice. gonna lie, Tim. I've actually missed hearing the the bells. I've really missed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is our favorite little segment, and here we are. Yeah, and we actually we got a really good piece of news to start off with. Former Ottawa Senator Eric Carlson and his wife Melinda welcomed a baby girl into the world on October third. Harlow Rain Carlson. I love this so much. I remember. Uh... Carlson was noted as missing a day off for uh, family issues, and everyone was fearing the worst. And then all of a sudden, you have this photo of Eric Carlson at a full medical gown sitting next to a baby. And it's like, she's bored, and everyone's like, this is amazing. You know, and, and you know what? In fairness, it was fair to assume the worst given what had happened to them with Axel, right? But yeah, as soon as I saw the picture, I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so happy right now. Well, the other one is it's also just. It's all barely over a year since uh, the passing of Axel, and they had the courage to just do it again. And that's amazing. And, you know, I honestly feel that this was the best way that we could start off top of the hour for Season 3, Tim. Yeah, no kidding. The NHL has announced it's entered into a two-year cross-platform marketing and promotional partnership with the band Green Day. Fans got a sneak peek at their yet-to-be-released song, Fire Ready Aim, off their upcoming 13th studio record, which served as the opening theme to NBCSN's Wednesday Night Hockey. Now, I, ne- exists. I never actually got a chance to listen to this song, and I feel that I should have actually checked it out, because Green Day has been one of those bands that... For me, Green Day's have been a very hit-and-miss sort of band for me. Like, I like some of the records. Like, I think Dookie is pretty good. Um, Nimrod, I think, is not too bad. Honest, I never really got into American Idiot, even though there's some tracks on that I really like. But, I don't know. This, I can, I kind of see the idea behind the NHL 
entering into a partnership with Green Day given Green Day's name recognition, but I don't know if this is the direction the NHL should be going into. The NHL should be going what other leagues like the NBA are going into a younger demographic because that's where you're going to find your next generation of hockey fans. And actually, Bonks Mullet put it best on Twitter. He says that the NHL is finally conquering the lucrative market of middle-aged white people. Yeah, and it's... I agree wholeheartedly. I'm surprised they didn't go with someone like Little Nas or someone that younger a younger demo might be into. Because, like, Green Day was old when we were kids. Yeah, and that's the thing. And you were talking about Little Nas X. The fact that during the Stanley Cup Finals, the Boston Bruins actually had him perform Old Town Road before one of their games. Yeah, and it's... This seems as tone deaf because I have a feeling that the type of person who's really into Green Day and might be pulled into hockey, you already have in their fold because they're going to be like 40. Yeah, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you saw what the Toronto Raptors were able to do with Drake a few years ago where they had him as the ambassador for basketball in Canada when they brought in the All-Star game and then when they won the world title in June, he was their front and center for all those games. Yeah. Although I guess with the Raptors and Drake, he didn't he didn't need much convincing. No, because there was a documentary done about Vince Carter, and I think Drake was the guy behind that too. It's, mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. I just checked it out a few weeks ago. I I really enjoyed it. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but I really thought it was a very well done documentary. Yeah. So, no. <coughs> excuse me. I, yo. Although at the same time, what team would really be able to capture Billie Eilish? The bad guy? Um, uh, Boston. Yeah, probably. The, yeah, that's the thing. The NHL doesn't have a team that's really like the outlaws of the NHL. It's not like the NFL with the Oakland Raiders. Although, know. to be fair, it could just be Brad Marchand's song. That's true. And with the highly sexual nature of that song, fits in fits into him looking at people. Well, yeah. Let's make it happen, Tay. Let's do it. Sounds like Sharks forward Evander Kane has been suspended three games without pay for physical abuse of an official during a preseason game versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the funny thing about Evander Kane is that I'm actually going to play the devil's advocate on this one. I don't believe he should have been suspended for this, and I'll explain why. Because if you watch the clip, the Vegas Golden Knight is obviously chirping at Evander Kane and antagonizing him and he knows that Evander Kane is a very volatile player and he'll instantly react but when you saw Evander Kane try and go after him the referee immediately got in and that's when you saw Kane whack him not even trying to hit the official but trying to hit the Vegas Gold Knight player yeah I don't know I didn't see the play so I can't really comment but at the same time you gotta have some self-control especially as an older player with a bit of a record in the league yeah, and that was the thing when I saw the clip is that the officials know the character of Evander Kane, and I can kind of see why they got involved. But at the same time, I don't know. I can I do kind of see both sides of it. I do see that Evander Kane hit an official with a stick. Okay, he absolutely should have been suspended for that. But I don't feel the official should have jumped in so quickly. I think if a punch was thrown, then you can jump in. But if you're just whacking them, then honestly, let the play go. Fair enough. Again, I haven't seen it, so this is all I can really say. So we've got three signings to talk about, Tim. And we're going to start off with the Arizona Coyotes have re-signed goalie Darcy Kemper to a two-year, $9 million contract with an AAV. 4.5. Kemper recorded a 27-28 record with a .925 save percentage for Arizona last season. This you know, actually... I was about to say this was a lot of money for a backup, but with the amount that uh, anti-Ranta gets injured, Darcy Kemper's a starter. That was immediately what I thought about <laughs> when I saw Darcy Kemper got signed. I said I n- instantly knew it's because anti-Ratna has gone down. And that was always the de- that was the downfall of the Coyotes last season was that anti-Ratna went down. And remember, because you and I were praising Arizona about the moves they're making and the direction they were going, and injuries hit them like nothing. Mm-hmm. Although it's weird because this this team again out of the gate another key injury. But the other big thing with them is 
They can't score a goal to save their life right now. No, even it might just be even Hot Dog season. Boy can't help them out right now. Yeah, like it might just be early season woes, but if this happens again, it might be a team composition or coach things. And you have to, and I like I like the fact that Chaika has balls, but you have to kind of side eye side on the moves, and you have to wonder if Rick Tockett's really a coach that can get offense out of his team. Yeah, because Rick Tockett doesn't seem like a very offensive-minded coach. He seems more like a two-way defensive-minded head coach. But you know what? I think some of the blame does have to be put on the players because they're being paid the big bucks to score. And and sometimes they get snake-bitten and sometimes they can't bury those chances. But when you have a guy like Phil Castle that they brought in to score goals and they've got Clayton Keller who can score goals, there's really there shouldn't be any excuses why they're not scoring. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a bad, a bad system could do a lot though, and a good system can as well. Like uh, as we've lived Guy Boucher, we do have to at least be open to the idea that maybe coaches have more of an effect than we think. That's true, but you can also look at when Dave Cameron was in Ottawa too, because we were always the high flying, highly offense team that lacked on defense, and yeah, mm-hmm. we could score four to five goals a night, but when the other team is scoring the same amount, if not more, then really, are you really accomplishing anything at that point? Exactly. Chicago Blackhawks have re-signed Alex DeBrincat to a three-year, $19.2 million contract with an AAV 6.4. DeBrincat recorded 41 goals, 35 assists, or 76 points in 82 games for Chicago last season. You know what's funny, Tim? With all of the, the big-name talent in the NHL, like your Connor McDavid's, your Sidney Crosby's, your Evgeny Malkin's, guys like that, Alex Brinkat really has taken a really big back seat to a lot of these guys, especially when you look at the numbers he's putting up. Like, and I just mentioned, 41 goals, 35 assists, 76 points. Honestly, a lot of people don't, aren't talking about this guy when talking about the new wave of talent in the NHL. Well, I think it's twofold. One is he definitely isn't on like the same tier as like the McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, the Marners, that sort of stuff, or the Rat, the, the Landis Cogs and stuff. But, yeah, uh, Ratnas. Ratnas. But uh, at the same time, he's also behind two very famous people in Chicago in uh, Taves and Kane. And Chicago hasn't exactly been great while uh, Debrincat has been coming up. So like all of that, it leads to kind of having a bit of a shadow cast over you. Yeah, kind of in the same way. And maybe this is not a fair comparison when you look at when Artemi Panarin was in Chicago, when you you had the team around him, and part of you was like, okay, he's very talented, and you saw the talents there, but how much of that is him, and how much of it is the team also around him helping? But when he left and went to Columbus, you really saw how good and how talented a player Panarin was. Yeah, and I still really have no idea how... Chicago lost the sad trade twice, but uh, a hey-ho. Uh, the other thing is just watching Panarin and uh, Zibanejad just light it up. Yeah, especially in the game that we're going to be talking about here today. Yeah, those two, man. Zibby and Breadman, that's going to be deadly for the Rangers for years oh, to come. so good, so good. Yep. St. Louis Blues have re-signed Braden Shen to an eight-year, $52 million contract with an AAB. 6.5. Shen recorded 17 goals, 37 assists, or 54 points in 72 games last season for St. Louis. I don't know about you, but when I think of Braden Shen, I very debate. I don't know whether this cap hit and the money they gave him is way too high. Yeah, so it's hard because he's, I think, if I remember correctly, he's getting over the hump there in age. But uh, he's always been a very good player in the offensive zone. Even if he's not scoring a lot, he's doing a lot of other things very right. Yeah, I like Braden Shen but the thing lot. is, Tim, is that Braden Shen, like when you look at his stat numbers, he's put up really good numbers, but is he a guy that's worth $6.5 per year? Well, $6.5 a year is your second liners, your elite second liners now. And I think Braden Shen is, he's definitely a first, second line tweener, and yeah, that's $6 million. Especially with a guy who absolutely def- dominates the offensive zone when he's in there. And shoots pretty dang nice. He scores like a first liner. Uh, he does very well in the power play. And St. Louis is a better team with him on the ice than they are with him off the ice. 
I think he's worth. I think he's easily worth six million dollars. The hard thing I have is eight years puts him to thirty-five. Yeah, and that's tough. And I understand that a lot of players nowadays are getting those eight-year contracts, especially when you looked at a lot of the. RFAs that we had this past summer that a lot of them being signed they're being signed to those big numbers with the big cap hits attached to them but I don't know there's just something like I don't know about Braden Shen and maybe because I don't watch him enough because he's in the west coast not in the east coast anymore and I don't know maybe as the season goes on and I follow Braden Shen a little bit more maybe my attitude and my opinion of him will change with this new contract yeah and I think that's a big thing with Braden Shen is I also think he got like once he had a stronger surrounding cast in St. Louis, his talent was more appreciated because he's definitely a disher and he's very good at offensive zone control. Like unreal. Braden Shen is legit. So Tim, let's end off top of the hour by talking about some Ottawa Senators news. The Ottawa Senators have announced that they will retire Chris Phillips, number four versus the Buffalo Sabres on February 18th. Phillips, drafted first overall by the Ottawa Senators in 1996, played his entire 17-year career with the Senators, recording 71 goals, 217 assists for 288 points in 1,179 games. I'm not going to lie, outside of Daniel Alfredson, this seems like the legit, logical next person to have his number retired, given that... You know, he was a part of all of the big moments in our history. He was a part of all of those runs. And the fact that at the time of this recording, he's the last number one pick we've ever had. I feel that personally, it's a real honor to see Chris Phillips go to the rafters. Well, I think the other thing is Chris Phillips, he was always a fan favorite. You could always count on him. And uh, the fact that he's a stay-at-home defenseman with that sort of name recognition is impressive without himself. He's probably not going to be honored. Like he, he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, so I'm glad that he'll be honored at least in Ottawa. Yeah, and you know what? Looking back, I mean, the 1996 draft is widely touted as one of the worst drafts of all time, especially when you look at, like I said, Chris Phillips went first overall. When you look at Chris Phillips, though, he was definitely not a first overall draft pick for sure. But you know what? Like he had a fantastic career. He was always solid for the Ottawa Senators. And he came up big for us. I mean, one of the biggest goals he scored was in 2003 versus the Devils in Game 6 in overtime, forcing a Game 7, which we ended up fucking losing to Jeff Friesen. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, the man had a fantastic career. And beloved in Ottawa, one of these days we'll have to go out to Big Rig and uh, have a drink on him. Absolutely, yeah. Next time I ever go out to Ottawa, I'll definitely have to check out Big Rig because... And also, I got to mention when we had Pan from the Suns call ups on, he gave us that recommendation. Mm-hmm. And the O Tree goes there now. Yeah, so there's no excuse for us not to go there, Tim. <laughs> A cryptic Snapchat post by the alleged granddaughter of New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft of Inside the Canadian Tire Center led to much speculation that Kraft is looking to purchase the Ottawa Senators. Sportsnet John Shannon took to Twitter to say that Robert Kraft is not looking into buying the Ottawa Senators. And that there are people kicking the tires about it, but not Kraft. Now, of course, a day after this news post came out, the New England Patriots did come out and say that Robert Kraft doesn't have a granddaughter named Catherine, who was the alleged person, or the alleged granddaughter of Kraft that put the picture up. And I actually want to talk a little bit about this because I said this on Twitter and I said to you, Robert Kraft... Owning the Ottawa Senators makes no sense to me. And I'll explain why. This would be like, say, in the 1990s, when Jerry Jones forges a dynasty with the Dallas Cowboys, winning three Super Bowls in four years, just one day decides that he's sitting at his desk, maybe his feet are up on the desk, and he just goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy the New York Islanders in 1996. That's what it just seems like. You have a guy who has forged a dynasty with the NFL team, and now he's looking to buy an NHL franchise that's on the downswing. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but I think the funniest one is just someone just saw it's like, you know what would be funny? Convincing people that a rich guy was going to buy this team and then created a granddaughter. Like, that's a next level troll job. Got to give it to him. Got to give it to the person who came up with that. I know, but you know what's funny is that, and I was at work when this news broke. And I was on my phone during break, and I looked at it, and I was like, 
what the fuck? What? Did I fucking miss something here? Like, what happened? Like, Robert Kraft owning the Ottawa Senators? Like, where did this come from? Yeah, everybody messaged you. I'm like, I hadn't seen it until after. I'm like, yeah, this is some bullshit. Yeah, and you, you know what? The idea about Robert Kraft owning the team, if this actually was a legit thing, I would have been very conflicted about my feeling regarding it because as a sports sports owner, Robert Kraft over the past 25 years, you could make a legit argument. He's been one of the greatest sports owners. When you look at where the New England Patriots were when he bought the team in 1994 to 2019 where you have six Super Bowls, you have all those division titles, you have at least... You know, Tom Brady, who's widely considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. On the flip side, I think Robert Kraft as a person is a complete fucking piece of shit and a scumbag. Especially when you think of uh, just recently, of course, there was the whole scandal with him in the massage parlors. But also, he left his pregnant girlfriend, who was like six or seven months pregnant. Oh, Jesus. Now, in fairness, Tom Brady did the exact same thing, and he left his pregnant girlfriend for a supermodel. So really, I don't know. They're both scumbags in that way. But you know what? I do. I think it kind of would make sense because honestly, Robert Kraft has one team that has a Brady who's front and center at the team. And he could also own another franchise with a Brady at the front and center of everything. As long as we don't get GM Tom Brady, I'm, I could ignore the proclivities of the rich and famous. I know. Oh God. Could you imagine New Senators head coach, Bill Belichick. Does he even know anything about hockey? Well, God, he's lived in New England the last 20 years. I mean, it wouldn't really surprise me. Yeah, fair enough, but he seems like someone who just lives, breathes, and sleeps football. That's true, and I mean, we already have... I don't know if we really have any head coaches in the NHL like him, because I was going to say, like, John Tortorella, but Torts is more, more angry. He's just more kind of cynical and... He's like the grumpy old man. He's just like, yeah, I don't like anything. Yeah. No, I guess we also haven't had like a an incredibly successful coach to the level of Bill Belichick either. Yeah, because really, who was the like the when you really look back at the Ottawa Senators, who was the last really big name head coach that we ever got that came with a really good resume? I mean, Brian Murray, maybe. Well, even, like, just in the NHL, you don't even really have, like, coach pedigree outside of maybe Quenville. You don't see a lot of it just because there hasn't been a dominant NHL team. Well, there has been dominant NHL teams, but just not head coaches that had won three Stanley Cups like he has with Chicago. I mean, you could argue... um, Claude Julien, when he was with the Bruins, like but that even that that's quite a drop off from Coach Q, though. Yeah, which it itself is quite a drop off from Belichick. That is true, Tim. That is true. So, Tim, this is usually where we would stop top of the hour because it's our final story. Now, right before we hit record, the Ottawa like Senators. Minutes. Yeah, literally five to ten minutes before we hit record, the Ottawa Senators actually made a trade with the New York Rangers. So, Tim. Can you tell us a little bit about this brand new trade? Yeah, so uh, the Ottawa Senators and the New York Rangers, who played a game two days before this trade, trade Vladislav Nemestikov. New York receives uh, Ebert and a fourth. In 2021. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is actually a pretty solid trade for the Ottawa Senators because, you know, he's in his final year of his contract. I, I think we'll flip him at the deadline, to be honest with you. But I'm also on the conflicted side because this season was supposed to be the year where we play all of our r- rookies. And so far within two games, like guys like Batherson, guys like Shalopik are already in the minors. Although to be fair, Batherson was playing something awful. I didn't think he played too bad against the Rangers. Against the Leafs, he Leafs, was yeah. fucking brutal. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, but there was also a lot of talk about Logan Brown, too. Like, people were pissed off Logan Brown didn't make the team. And, of course, his agent came out and talked about that. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's hard. I, this is going back to while people were pretty down on the Scott Sauberin signing because you're taking a roster spot. And apparently that came and bit the sense in the butt 
today when uh, apparently they were intending to make a waiver claim, but they had too many. They had fifty contracts. Yeah. So overall, with uh, Nemestikov, what do you feel about him joining the Ottawa Senators, Tim? I think he's a good addition. Uh, the guy is a defensive wizard, like very, very good in the defensive zone, and I think he's someone who can actually teach the young guys how to play defense effectively. And hopefully it will shore up some of the shots. For all, I think it's a good trade. I think so. So, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour, which means only one thing. It's time to move on into talking about the two games we're going to talk about. We've got the first Battle of Ontario, the 2019-2020 season, first of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Sens versus the New York Rangers. Now, usually this would be the time of the episode where I would say hit the music. But I'm going to do one thing, Tim. Just uh-huh. one thing. If you want to see me go on to these next games, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Leafs. This was a 5-3 Leafs victory. Sens goals were scored by the real American, Brady Tuchuk, Scott Sabrin with his first NHL goal, and Bobby Ryan. <laughs> Leafs... Leafs goals are scored by, uh, what the fuck's this guy's name? Uh, Austin Matt, Matt, Matthews? Is he, is he a new yeah, player with the Toronto Police? I don't know. Oh, I know this guy. This is the guy that Scott Sabrin made famous during the preseason. Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, he scored two. Frederick Grodin, Trevor Moore, and Ilya Mikhailov. Shots were 42-26 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto dominated Ottawa in this game. Despite a somewhat close first period, the Toronto's offense heated up and absolutely ate Ottawa alive, with Matthews and Nylander leading the way. So let's talk about those two guys, Matthews and Nylander. Three points on 11 shots. Fuck, they absolutely killed us in this game. Yeah, and I feel that it was... Ottawa came out... Strong. Like, I think Ottawa actually played a really good road first period. But then it fell apart in the second, and that's it's such a young team thing. Yeah, but you know what? This was a problem that we saw last year with a lot of these games is that, you know, we would come out in the first period, have a really good start, and we're like, okay, you know, this game's not going to be too bad. Then the second period would happen, and it just falls apart for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and that's definitely what happened here. And I think one of the big contributors here was especially the why am I blanking on this guy? I make fun of him all the time when he used to play on Toronto. Uh, uh, who's, why am I bl- who does he play for now? Uh, uh, goal disallowed. Why am I blanking on this? Uh, oh, Hainsey? Hainsey's goal, yeah. Hainsey's goal being disallowed and then Toronto immediately scoring after that. That's a backbreaker for any team, and that's especially so for a young team. You know what? I saw that, and my first reaction was, holy Damn, that was a good shot too. Just a perfect shot above the his shoulder, and it re- it really was a backbreaker because you saw Bobby Ryan go offside, and that was just like, oh, that's just a killer for Ron Hainsey. Yeah, but that was also just such like that offside too. It's it is the rule. He was barely, barely offside. I know, and I saw a lot of people on Sense Twitter actually complaining about it. And I think Trevor Shackles pointed it out. He says that. It's going to start killing teams if you start measuring in centimeters than millimeters. Yeah, no. that's It's stupid. Like, I don't think the game gets better if you get anal about this sort of thing. You have to make a call that a ref could have reasonably called. This doesn't help the game. No. This is how you get the Arizona Coyotes playing the Jeopardy theme for almost 10 minutes. And nobody wants that. No, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Craig Anderson. 37 saves, a .881 save percentage. I, I actually, you know what, for me personally, I don't think he played as badly as the stats may suggest. And I'll tell you why. Because Ottawa's defense, again, as of many games last season, left him out to dry. However, many of the issues that Craig had last season, like controlling of rebounds and his coming across the crease, those issues were well on display in this game as well. Yeah, and it's definitely a hard. It's definitely hard because you can see that age is starting to creep up on Craig, but I don't know. It's never easy if you're facing forty shots. Like it's just not a good day, and they're giving up a lot of good shots. They were one. Do you want to talk about Cody Cece for old time's sake? 
Do we have to criticize him? Because I'm totally down to do that, Tim. Oh, he was hot fucking garbage. Somehow he dragged down Morgan Riley. So maybe it wasn't our team's fault that he was terrible. Fascinating. Yeah, and Fascinating. He, and he was doing his uh, signature not really looking at the play on Brady Kachuk's first goal 30 seconds in. I know. Actually, let's talk about Brady Kachuk a little bit because um, he did have the only goal, th- or he did have one goal for the Sens. I really liked how he played. And the one thing that actually I, we have to comment on is that Mr. Brady DeChuck, the real American, got the very first goal of the 2019-2020 NHL season, 27 seconds in. And it's the fastest goal ever by an Ottawa Senator as well, which is really cool. I, and uh, oh, I love Brady so much. What a guy. I do too. And honestly, I from what I saw, I actually really liked the – I felt the Kachuk-White brown line played pretty good yes actually they did and my comments are more related to the next game but i do want to talk about scott Saverin because finally he scored his first nhl goal his first nhl game on three shots i actually think he looked actually decent in this game i mean for what he is yeah for what he is i you know but but that's because he's what a third fourth liner and he looked decent enough i mean for what he was yeah, like he wasn't obviously dragging the team down. No. Although the Ennis and Isamov Batherson line just wasn't working. No, and uh, Drake Batherson unfortunately was, I believe he was minus four in that game. Yeah, he was on ice for four of the five goals. And that's that whole line couldn't get anything going, but I think Drake Batherson just had the worst game among them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to switch gears and talk about uh, two young defensemen on the Ottawa Senators. And I actually want to start off with Eric Brandstrom because honestly, Eric Brandstrom, in my opinion, he played decently and the guy is now officially a hockey player because he will be best remembered this game for taking Matthew Skate to the face. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, when Matthew scored the second goal... Uh, Matthews kind of fell forward and his leg came up and just caught him just um, not directly below the eye, but kind of to the left, right? Uh, okay. Almost where uh, the, but in between his eye and his nose. Okay. So he got a little razor neck or was it a bit more serious? Uh, eight stitches. Oh, wow. Yeah. I saw that on Instagram and I was just like, Ooh, whoo boy. And you know, that's a good thing that honest, that could have been worse because if it was four to five inches higher, his career would have been done. He would have yeah, lost no his kidding. eye right there. That would have been another Brian Burrard incident. Yeah, honestly, this stuff keeps happening. They really should consider a fuller, fit, a more full face visor. But the thing is, is that a lot of this stuff doesn't really happen in the NHL. You don't see guys taking skates to the face. Yeah, it, true. It, that's the thing. If this became a very regular occurrence where guys are taking skates to the face, then the NHL would have to react. But honestly, it's such an isolated incident with Brandstrom taking one to the face that the NHL could just be like, ah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Fair enough, but you get enough guys cut with sticks too. That's true, but honestly, guys... And missing chiclets. That's true, but... Yes, spit and chiclets. But you know what? Guys have been getting hit in the face with sticks and pucks for so long that they're just like, eh, whatever. Fair enough. One person I really, I think, played a really good game was Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan was all over the ice in all the right places and was rewarded for a goal, even if it was near the end of a game that was kind of lost. That's a, Actually, you know what's funny? That is one thing I have noticed about Bobby Ryan is that in the two games of this new season, <laughs> he's actually played pretty well. Yeah, and it's the thing is Bobby Ryan's always had the hockey smarts. The problem is, is his hands keep getting goddamn obliterated. Yeah, but he didn't have that problem last season, though. That was the probably the first year in a long time he's never had a broken hand or a broken finger or something happened to his hands. One thing I did notice, and this, of course, was always the problem with Bobby Ryan, was his foot speed. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, that's... he's. I'm surprised that he, he's a perfect complement to, to Chuck and White on the first line because... When they played with Mark Stone, Stone was the exact same way. Stone had the hockey sense, but he was never an overly fast skater. Like, he could move. It was no question he could move, but he was not, like, from blue line to blue line, like nothing. Yeah. 
And I'm glad that Bobby Ryan got rewarded with some first-line time in the next game. But yeah, it's like, I'm glad that Bobby Ryan has started to step... He's released. In these few games, he started, He seems to have stepped more into that leadership role. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be a good mentor for the kids. And I don't actually feel too bad about the Bobby Ryan contract. No, because he'll be up in another couple of years anyway, so it should be fine. Uh, before we go on to the next game, there is one more player I do want to talk about. And unfortunately, he didn't have the grace of Knights. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's, what, October 7th right now? And this is something I haven't said in the last six months, Tim. Uh-huh. Hudson Bacho! That's right, Thomas Shabbat, four shots in this game, didn't have the grace of Knights. And actually, he looked really flat-footed and asleep on some of Toronto's breakout plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it is a bit tough. Although, at the same time... He was definitely better than his partner, Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, but yeah it, was, uh, it was a rough go for Shabbat, and it's going to be one of those things, if Shabbat's having a rough go, it's going to be a rough game for the Sens. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember, I can't I can't remember exactly which breakout play it was that the Leafs did like a cross-ice pass, and Shabbat stood there, he saw it, and he caught him on the, and they caught him standing, and he's like, oh fuck, he mm. quickly turned around and took off. But I think it was too late, I think they had scored or whatever. Yeah, and it's one of those things where part of it's growing, part of it is just not having a good game. Probably see better from Shabbat as the game as time goes on. Yeah, especially in this next game that we're going to be talking about, Rangers versus Senators. This is a four to one Rangers victory. Rangers goals were scored by Mika Zibanejad with the hat trick and Artemi Panarin. Senators goals were scored by the real American, Brady DeChuck. Shots were 32-30 for Ottawa. New York outplayed Ottawa in this game. Both teams came out flying with loads of energy and scoring chances. However, as the game went on, New York pulled ahead of Ottawa in the latter with former Senator Mika Zibanejad getting a hat trick. And that's where I'm going to start off with. Mika Zibanejad, three goals, absolutely looked unstoppable in this game with Artemi Panarin. Hmm. Yeah, Mika Zibanejad had a hell of a game, and honestly, I think this game, it was a lot closer than the score the scoreboard looked, because Zibanejad was absolutely fantastic. Well, I think the Sens played a good game, but just couldn't put the puck in the net, and I don't think Andy really gave them much of a chance to win this game. No, but you know what, though, and we'll quickly talk about Craig Anderson, 26 saves, a .867 save percentage. I, I am absolutely the minority. I think he played better. I, I think he... Uh, I felt he kind of played decently, but the thing is, like, the, two of those Abinajad shots, 90% of goalies in the NHL could not stop those. Sure, but I think uh, Ottawa did a fantastic job of keeping New York to the outside. Yeah, but you know what? In fairness, the New York Rangers defense actually did a great job stifling us in the offensive zone as well. Uh, I honestly wouldn't say that. I feel like Ottawa got a lot more shots... And Brady Kachuk was able to stay in his office, while New York was forced outside. Personally, I don't know. I feel the Rangers' defense actually played a decent game against us because when you saw the Sens trying to do their offensive plays coming across the blue line, it was almost like they formed a wall against the blue line. Like, all right, try and get around us. And honestly, I think the Sens did a good job of doing that. And they were able, because of that, they were able to get right in tight. And the majority, Ottawa had far more in tight chances than New York did. So there's actually two lines in this for the Ottawa Senators I do want to talk about. And I want to quickly talk about the Duclair Pajot Brown line. Looked really good, got some really good scoring chances, but just couldn't bury it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Lundqvist played a good game. It wasn't Lundqvist, it was. Uh, oh, it was Lundqvist, right. Bergeson. They he played a very good game. Yes, he did. Actually, it was Georgiev. Gorgia, thank you. Um, God, we're bad. I know. Well, he's a brand new goalie in the NHL, Tim, so we're going to have some time to learn his name. Uh, The other line, of course, the Chuck White-Ryan line. And as I said in the previous game, Ryan surprisingly looked like a really good complement to Chuck and White, given that Ryan doesn't have the foot speed. And you see it in this game where he's more of the point guy, where he'll let Chuck and White skate around and move around and let them do, and he'll let... And Ryan would be like, okay, I'll be the guy that passes it to you, and you score. Mm. And I felt that line just, they played solid 
solid hockey the whole night. And, actually, and uh, they were rewarded with Ottawa's goal. Yeah, and actually, and one thing I want to talk about the Chuck White Ryan line, to Chuck himself, and I know that he has gained like 20 pounds of muscle to his frame this season. One thing that I think that will really help him in the next couple of years is improving his foot speed. Because while Brady Chuck is a big guy and he can move, like I was saying about Mark Stone, he doesn't have the speed of like an athlete Duclair where he can get the puck and he just takes off. And I think that could really help Brady Chuck a lot if he could really improve his foot speed doing something like that. Mm. Because honestly, if he if the puck tries to get all around the defenseman, Brady can instantly just take off and get it. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, I'm glad that in his sophomore year, he's still going to his office. And if he keeps doing that, I think he's going to have another good year this year. Yeah. Actually, let's quickly talk about Brady to Chuck because uh, he had one goal and five shots. My favorite part of this whole night, and this is one of the reasons why he's one of my favorite, him pissing off Mark Stahl all night. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> amazing to see. And, you know, it was one of those things because I was kind of weary of Brady to Chuck coming into the season because – you know, a lot of players will have a really good rookie season, but they hit it the sump, the uh, sophomore slump. Brady has two goals in two games already. And this guy, to me, is already one of the reasons that I was very excited for this Ottawa Senators team. Well, I think the big thing about Brady Kachuk is he is the type of... I think he's a modern power... Like, he's definitely a modern power forward. He's able to move himself intelligently into the office, rake muck, and then win, win puck battles and move. Like, he is a player that I don't think will sophomore slump because the tool set he has, it's a mix of cerebral and just doggone effort. Yeah. One so, like, guy actually, Brady he... Re- I wasn't worried. Well, the funny thing is, one thing, guy he really reminds me of, uh, for, even for back in the day, is kind of like Dino Cicerelli. Like, Dino Cicerelli would stand right in front of the net, block the goalie, try and get the puck in for a tip in, and he was feisty as hell. Like, he would go at it with anybody. Mm. And the nice thing, and the way Brady Kachuk has been able to do it is... He's been able to usually draw the defenseman to him, which frees up some cycle space. Like, just imagine him getting bigger and more skilled, hitting his prime around 23 to 27. That's going to be something scary. I know. It's going to be really good. Uh, let's switch gears here and talk about the man known as Hot Sam Baccio. Thomas Shabbat, one assist on four shots. This was a total night and day game for him because of how he played against the Leafs where he looked flat-footed, he looked asleep on many of those breakup plays. Thomas Shabbat controlled the play well in this game. Yeah, and it was definitely noticeable. And it's surprising that he's able to do that much and be playing 30 minutes with Nikita Sysup. But I think one of the things is there is quite a difference between playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers, although I think that difference is not as big as it would appear at first glance because the... The Rangers' forward core is very strong. Yeah, this easily has to be the quickest turnaround that I've seen. And I know a lot of people would say the Leafs' turnaround was really quick when they got Matthews and Marner finally joined, got into the league. But for me, the New York Rangers, when you really look at their lineup, like they have Zibanejad, who's a now, now a legit number one center. They brought in uh, Timmy Panarin, who him and Zibanejad were just fantastic, and they're going to be deadly for years to come. And you look at a lot of the young guys. Um, like Capo. To, like Capo. I'm trying to think of the kid's name, Fox, for the Rangers. I thought he played a decent yeah. game for them. And they brought him Jacob Truba from the Winnipeg Jets and the young Russian goaltender that they have. Like, this team is going to be very scary in a year or two. I don't think they're mm-hmm. a playoff team yet. I think they still need a couple of more, maybe a year or two to develop. But they're on the really the right track. And actually, you know what? Everybody in the old... Atlantic division is looking really good because the Rangers are probably a year or two away from the playoffs. The Devils have made so many moves over the offseason that really are pushing them to a playoff spot. The Islanders are looking decent. The Flyers are looking decent. The only team that isn't is currently the Penguins. Yeah, and the, well, that's a part of uh, some mismanagement, but it's just their windows closing. And the Penguins were a force for about a decade, honestly. So I don't honestly fault the Penguins that much. No, I don't. But you know what? Some of the moves that they made, much like the Chicago Blackhawks, I think have really come back to bite them in the ass. 
Oh, 100%. 100%. And Jack Johnson is chief among them. So one comment I actually want to make here is uh, when during the Rangers-Sens game is, like we said during top of the hour, Chris Phillips uh, just announced his jersey will be retired against the Buffalo Sabres. And in between the second and third period during the intermission, I can't remember if it was CDTV or whoever's doing the game. They were talking to Craig Anderson, Craig Craig Phillips, Chris Phillips, sorry. And (laughs) they were talking about, uh, Chris was talking about when he first joined the Ottawa Senators wearing number five. And then when Sean Hill got traded, he started wearing number four. And the commentators commented that number five has never been a good number for players in Ottawa. Especially when you look at the number of guys who wore it. And I did look it up online. And here's some of the players who wore it. Brian Lee, Cody Ceci. Not a great start. No. A very young Sammy Sallow. Christopher Schubert. And there was actually one other gentleman that I saw on this list. And, you know, it really brought back some memories because, honestly, I, lo- I saw this gentleman's name. He wasn't with the Ottawa Center very long. But, honestly, I looked at his name and I was listening to that comment. And all I, had, I was just thinking to myself was, you know... I don't know. That comment really makes me wonder. These commentators are actually experts. Yeah, you have to really wonder, were they there? Yeah, like, they were there, they saw it, they claimed that they're experts, because honestly, they're they're not an expert. And they probably weren't there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, one more, sorry, the, the the final comment I do actually want to make, and Ian Mendez pointed this out, he said that this is a perfect game for the Ottawa Senators, even though we didn't win, they didn't dog it for effort, and they were very entertaining. And that was the one thing. When, yeah. when we had Jamie McClendon on the show, he said the same thing about the Leafs. He said that the one thing that even though the Leafs were losing every night in the year they they tanked for Matthews, it was always like a 3-2 game. They never dogged the fans for effort. This is what I saw from the Ottawa Senators, was that. They never dogged it for effort, even though we lost 4-1. to one, this is the perfect thing. Like, even though we lost and even though we're closer towards the number one pick, this team in this game was not boring at all. No, and it always felt like the Sens could get back into it. So it was an interesting game to watch. And you can't ask for more than that, honestly. No, honestly, yeah, to close out the, the game, I was actually very happy with it, even though we lost and I wasn't bored. And many of the players seemed to do very well, so... You know, if we continue up this way, Tim, you know, even though it's going to be tough to see the Sens lose night after night after night like we've seen the last two seasons, at least we're not going to be bored. Yeah, no kidding. I guess that's all. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I have no more comments to make uh, if you just want to head into the close for another night. Yep. Okay, first of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We are part of the National Podcast Network. You can find us on nationalpodcast.network, where you can find the links to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find the National Podcast Network on Twitter at NationalPodNet. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91HoneyBadger, and I'm at GreatWhiteKipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Kipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, and the brand new opening to the show, shoot me an email, thirdlineplugsensguys at gmail.com. Until next week, guys. Actually, sorry, no, we got to talk about the two games for next week because we got two games on the schedule. We've got Thursday, we're playing the Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, and Saturday versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Suns, guys. Woo!